Tidy Podcast Bicentennial Special. I'm your host, Ryan Ward, and today we have with us Steve Penny, who's done research into the Native Americans of the Southern New England area. Thank you, Steve, for being here. Thank you, Ryan. My pleasure. So, how did you get into studying the Native Americans of this area? Well, in a moment of insanity some years ago now, <laughs> I thought I might want to write the next history of Manchester. Wow, okay. For this year. Okay. So this was probably five, seven years ago. Mm. And uh, if I was really lucky, I would con the state historian <laughs> uh, to, uh, not the state historian, the town historian. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. To um, assist me in that effort and to be a co-author, uh, Susan Barlow, of course. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, I got bogged down in the Indians. Oh, okay. So I never got that far. I st so I started uh, with the Manchester Historical Society, mm -hmm. and I did a presentation uh, with slides mm -hmm. uh, to them about the Indians, and other local histor historical societies were interested, so I did it probably six or eight times. Wow. Mostly to historical societies. Mostly to historical But other groups. Uh, there's a group that calls itself the Descendants of the Founders of Ancient Windsor, Hmm. And I did their annual meeting one year. Interesting. And, and they're all people that you know are related to the first settlers of Windsor. Interesting. So that was fun. So how did you find those? Like you know, going to these different you know historical societies and sharing this information. How did you find that that experience? Well, people are really interested in the Indians, mm. which I guess comes as no surprise. Mm. Um, and they don't know much of anything about them. Mm. It, it's you know it, it's hard to find the material. And uh, you have to put a lot of effort into it and mm -hmm. read multiple sources. So, you know, I think I got more or less the picture of things, and we'll find out. Yeah, in, we will. In the next hour or so. Yeah. So so how did this start for you? How did it develop? You know, you said that you got stuck on the Indians. You got stuck there. How did <laughs> yeah. that How did that happen? Well, what, what kind of grabbed My you? own interest grew. Yeah. Again, because of to some degree of the reception that I was getting because people are really interested. Yeah. So I said, hey, okay, yeah, let's, yeah. Let, let's do this right. Okay, so what is, what is yeah, that's a great question. What is doing this right? How, what was your process for gathering this information? Just reading anything I could find on the Indians. I, I mean, the place to start mm. for Manchester, of course, was uh, Matthias Spies, who, who mm -hmm. turned out to be a, a statewide well-known historian of the Indian period. Hmm. And he wrote the first history of Manchester uh, in the celebration of the 100th anniversary oh, okay. of 1923. Hmm. He and a guy named Bidwell. And um, so I started with that. And then I just kept researching and looking for more information, and the computer's a wonderful source for that. Yeah, I, You know, one author will, will uh, refer to another, and so you read that guy's book yep. and the next one. And yep. Student papers, whatever. So it's just a chain chain reaction of information, almost. Yes. Interesting, yep. interesting. So how how was it received? Uh, you know, you said that a lot of people were very interested in it. Was there information that you know a lot of these people hadn't heard of before? Was it new oh, yeah. information? Oh yeah, it, it's it's clear that uh, they didn't have much knowledge about it. As as one author said uh, about the hundred years from the time of Columbus's mm -hmm. discovery of the New World. Mm -hmm. um, to, to, to the next period, we don't, we don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. we, we never study, you know, from, from Christopher Columbus to the pilgrims, mm -hmm. <clears throat> most people can't tell you what happened in right, the right. period, right? Yeah. And, and so it's all lost, and that was, you know, part of the process, too. Let's, let's pull some of that information together. Interesting, yeah. yeah. So today we are going to talk about, I think we decided on a time frame we were going to kind of start at. Yes. You, wh the, what, let's ask this first. Where did, you, where did it, your information start for your presentations that you were doing 
What about what time period were you starting in? About sixty thousand years ago. About sixty thousand years yes, ago. Yes. Okay. I, I I I found a book by a geneticist, mm. and so he tells us that studying genetics, mm -hmm. we know that humans began on in Africa. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he identifies a particular location in Africa, although I just read recently there's more, they, now they think there's more than one location. Interesting, but, okay. But the main one has been uh, in East Africa. It's called the, um, uh, it's, it's, it's in Africa across the Red Sea from the Arabian Peninsula. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so about 60,000 years ago, the humans in Africa decided maybe they ought to check in uh, some other location. Mm -hmm. And so they did a first great migration in which they crossed the Red Sea and the Arabian Peninsula, and they, they followed the southerly coast of Asia mm. all the way to Australia, which at the time was connected mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to the Asian mainland. Wow. And then not long thereafter, they made a second great migration, and this time they went up into the center of Asia following... African, I mean, um, Asian uh, steppe land, which is mm -hmm. uh, grasslands, mm -hmm. flat, semi-arid. And they get to the center of, of Asia, and portions of them go take a left turn, and they go westerly, and mm -hmm. they settle Europe mm -hmm. 30 to 35,000 years ago. Hmm. And the other group goes right, and they settle Siberia. Mm. And the geneticists can tell you that everybody that lives in the, the original inhabitants of the Americas came from the Siberians. Oh, okay, interesting. So remember, we're, we're dealing with a period uh, after the last ice age, and so as the ice retreated, humans were able to move into areas where they hadn't been before. Right, yeah. A and in part because the seas were 300 feet lower than they are today. Mm. And so there was a land bridge between Siberia and Alaska. Okay. And the Siberians used to go back and forth hunting, and eventually as the ice retreated further, they were able to come down into, into North America and eventually South America, and in a thousand years, they covered that whole distance to the, wow. the lowest point in South America. Interesting, yeah. That's that's one of those things you you know we you know you forget about just how the geography of the land is going to play a massive role in Absolutely. the migration and you know what, where people have access to. Right. That's interesting. And, and and what land is settleable? Yeah, well, where you know? where can we actually We're, stop and and yes. you know provide life for we'll establish ourselves? Yeah, yes. interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah. So you so you went back sixty thousand years. We're obviously for this for this podcast episode, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna narrow it down a little bit. Yeah. Um, was there anything that you you know that you remember though in that in that in that time period from you know that sixty thousand years ago to uh, we're gonna go to the sixteen hundreds? I think we talked about. Yes. Was there anything in that time period though that was really important to you, or some, or, or a piece of that that you you know you found particularly interesting? You know, kind of that that whole migration period and, and you know development of 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 time. You know, that's obviously a big chunk of time. But was there anything that stood out to you that you would be remiss to not you know well, include? So far, we haven't gotten anybody new to New England, so maybe we can just do that in one sentence. Yeah. Uh, about ten thousand years ago, yeah. as the the ice started to to uh, retreat in New England about 15,000 years ago. And by 10,000, the Paleo-Indian hunters who were following the retreating mm -hmm. ice, uh, because they were following the animals, and the animals were entering New England, and, and that's where their food came from. So okay. they followed the animals, and they started to settle New England. Wow. Okay. So that so that really it really was a you know migration patterns with the natural order of things. Yes. Animals are moving this direction. We follow the animals because yes. we're hunter gatherers. Right. That's the way we're going to go. Interesting. So we got to New England. You know, or say we, 
<laughs> our our predecessors yes. got to New England from just following the 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 natural progression of yes. of of yes. that. Wow. Okay. Yes. Interesting. So now that we're in the 1600s, what's what are we look? What's the setting like? What are we looking at? How are people established right now? You know, what's what's that look like? You know, if we're in the 1600s. For, sure. So. You would find, first of all, that the coastline, the eastern coast, was fully settled. Mm. So when you read you read the um, information left by the discoverers mm-hmm. and the fishermen, mm-hmm. fishermen were big. Oh, okay. Uh, in coming to this country, which we pretty much know nothing about, but they were here on a regular basis. European fishermen were coming over. Interesting. And so, um, in so so, and the, the, obviously they're also following. What's good fishing ground? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you will find uh, villages of the Native Americans ranging between two hundred and two thousand per village. Wow. Almost everywhere. Wow. Now numbers are really hard to come by. It's Mm -hmm. all it's all estimate. Yeah. Yep. Uh, So the numbers are basically all over the place. But that that one most people seem to be comfortable with. Okay. So so there's a there's already established. You know, for lack of a better word, society within the, the Indian culture. They they are already they've got their villages. They've got their you know they've got a pre. They're set up on this coastline on the on yes. the whole coast. Okay, yes. so when we come in, when you know when 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 does it start? Be when do they start being affected by the influence of other you know outsiders, for lack of a better word. So, so let's start with the first European that we know about right in our territory mm-hmm. here, and that was Adrian Block. Okay. Now, the Dutch present an interesting case because mm. where the English and French came over, they were looking to settle the land. Right. They had other reasons to be here. Right. But the Dutch were strictly businessmen. Hmm. They were here to capture uh, furs, Mm-hmm. Specifically, beaver. Mm-hmm. The Dutch were uh, acquiring ten thousand beaver pelts a year from the Native Americans. Wow. Okay. And that was because uh, the the uh, the fur closest into the animal mm-hmm. with the beaver is a very fine felt, or or it makes the fur a very fine felt. And the Dutch were into uh, felt hats. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so tens of thousands of beaver yes. skins yes. to make all yes. to yes. to yes. meet that demand yes. of Dutch yes. hats. Yes. So they're in New Amsterdam. Okay. And um, so uh, Adrian Block is charged with looking around the area, get out of New Amsterdam and start looking for uh, places where the Dutch could set up trading posts. Yeah. And the Connecticut River was, of course, an an attractive spot. Of course. So he managed to uh, make his way into the Connecticut. Connecticut River has always been blocked by a major sandbar. Mm. He managed to get over that. Hmm. He noticed that the water coming down the Connecticut moved faster and was fresher than most rivers, mm-hmm. further upriver. And so he called it the Versha, or Fresh River. Hmm. And he sailed his little ship. I should tell you that his his main ship, uh, I think it burned. Oh, wow, okay. And he lost it in any event in okay. New Amsterdam. And so he had built a smaller ship, and he's in this smaller ship called the Restless. <laughs> and he is sailing up the Connecticut River, and he gets to the... Uh, Ben's in Middletown. He makes a stop there, and then he comes up and he uh, finds a relatively large tribe, the Podunks. The Podunk, okay. And he finds them um, in South Windsor, and uh, he he on his map marks the land as Nawas 
the Indians apparently called the, the territory Nowasha. No okay. And so he visits with them. He sails up to the uh, dam at Enfield, which is as far up as he can get, mm -hmm. and then he goes back hmm. and makes his report. Uh, and that's his route. That's his, that's, that's his that's, route. That's his route. He goes back to, to New Amsterdam. Hmm. And so in um, 1631, mm -hmm. the Dutch uh, come, uh, come up the Connecticut River again, and they buy a strip of land from the Pequots. Okay. We'll get to talk about them in some sure, depth yeah. before we're done. And you remember that the Pequots were based in the Thames River Valley okay. in what is today New London. Mm -hmm. But they had invaded the Connecticut River Indians and they had uh, dom you know, established a, a domination over them. Mm -hmm. And so they, they owned the land along the Connecticut River and the Dutch bought a strip from them in what is today Hartford. Oh, wow. And they set up a trading post, which they called the House of Good Hope. Wow. So the House of Good Hope was was in Hartford, essentially. Was in Hartford. Wow. Uh, where the about where the Park River comes in. You've heard of Dutch Point. Yup, that sounds familiar. Yeah, those yeah. are all terms dating back to that period. Wow, that's so interesting. So yeah. this was this this became almost a hub for trade. Was that was that between was that it, now specifically between the Dutch and the Pequot, or was that like a the Dutch are here, come to this? So we have a very interesting hi history coming up. Oh, okay. The th one of the things that the Dutch insisted upon mm. with the Pequots mm -hmm. was that the trading post should be available to all tribes, mm -hmm. period. Mm. Don't interfere with them as they're making their way across your territory to, come. to get to our trading post. Yeah. Well, mm. guess what? It didn't work out. I was going to say, I bet, yeah. Because there was a group, we think probably Narragansetts mm -hmm. from Rhode Island, mm -hmm. making their way to the Dutch trading post, mm -hmm. and they are attacked mm. by Pequots. Mm -hmm. At least the Pequots got blamed. At least the fact. Pequots got blamed. Okay. And so the next time that the Pequot sachem, their chief, mm -hmm. uh, trades with the Dutch, they seize him. And they tell the Pequots that if they want their chief back, that they have to pay a bushel of wampum. Wampum was the was the currency of the day made out of uh, conch shells. Hmm, okay. And uh, or clam shells, excuse me. And um, so they tell them that they got to pay the wampum, and they've got to uh, produce the the guys that killed the traders. Mm. And um, so the Pequots, of course, are anxious to get their leader. Oh, my back, God, right? yeah. So they pay the wampum, and the Dutch deliver their sachem's body. Oh, no. Which did not go over well. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, so that, that had to have incited more conflict and more division at that point. Yes, it did. It did. Interesting. It was, it was kind of the first instance of this. Okay, yeah. Meanwhile, to keep talking about the trading post, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. the English— the two English settlements in Massachusetts, Massachusetts Bay and mm -hmm. Plymouth, had been approached by one of the Podunk chieftains who wanted to get out from under the Pequots mm -hmm. and the annual payment of tribute mm -hmm. and the fact that they were threatening as the dominant tribe. Right. And so uh, he, his name is recorded in history as Natawante, mm -hmm. but Natawante in Algonquin means come to my place, so it was, it was a pseudonym. Mm -hmm. He wasn't using his real name. Right, right. And he goes to Massachusetts Bay and to Plymouth, and he says, come settle in the Connecticut River Valley. 
it, it we we're loaded with beaver mm-hmm. and it's rich soil and um we'll we'll give you uh, something like 80 bushels of corn a year and uh We'll, we'll both will both be advantaged. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. Well, let's get them out of here. Let's move in. But meanwhile, the English were aware of the thing with the Pequots, mm. and so they say we're not going anywhere near this because they they understand the Indian culture, which was that if you pay tribute to me, I owe you protection. Mm-hmm. So the English in Massachusetts are saying to themselves. This guy is just trying to suck us into his problems with the Pequots and get us involved in that, and we're not interested. Yeah. So they stay put. Mm, okay. However, time goes on, and they see how well the Dutch are doing mm-hmm. in the Connecticut River. Mm-hmm. So the first to make a move is the Plymouth Colony. Okay. And they send a small boat up the Connecticut River. Uh and the, and the commander is a Lieutenant Holmes who mm-hmm. had military experience. He was second to uh, the primary military guy in, in Plymouth Colony. Mm-hmm. And um, they have on board a pre-made house that they can use as a trading post. Okay. They, they've got it there in sections. Okay. And they sail up the river, and they get to the Dutch, and the Dutch say, Get out of here, or we're going to fire our cannon on you. Oh, okay. And they say, well, too bad, because we're going north. And they do, and the Dutch do not fire their cannon. And they settle. They make they set up their trading post above the Dutch, which, of course, is the place to be, because the pelts are coming down the river. Right. And they settle in Windsor. Okay, yep. Right where the Loomis Chafee School is Oh, now. wow, okay, yeah. Yes. Yep. Wow. So... Now they start to do well, and and so the Massachusetts Bay people say, "This is crazy. We got to be part of this." Yeah, yeah, this we're missing trade, out on this. Know? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So they send a a guy down who um, noses around what becomes Weathersfield. Okay, and eventually those those two places, Windsor and Weathersfield, people come in to actually settle. Okay, yeah. And, and that's how those two towns get started. Wow. So, and then about the same time, so now we're down, at, we're up to 1636, I think. Okay. Don't hold me to the date. No, that's okay. That's fair, yeah. Um, and Hooker, the Reverend Hooker, uh, comes down from one of the Massachusetts towns mm-hmm. outside of Boston, and he brings his people with him, nearly his entire congregation, oh, and wow, they drive okay. something like a hundred and some odd head of cattle with them. Oh, wow. And they come down what's known as the Connecticut Path, which we know is Route 44. Oh, cool, and okay. Route 44 goes all the way to Plymouth, Mass., right? Right, right. And so they, you know, that road followed the Indian Trail, and he comes down and he establishes Hartford. So those are your first Wow! Yeah, that's Hartford, a... Weathersfield, and Windsor. Wow! And it was yeah. all because of this beaver trading. Almost it was. Yes. Uh, it was this. Yes. It was. It was following the river and yes. trying to get the best setup for for being most accessible for that trade. Right. Interesting. So so the Dutch so the Dutch settled uh, in you know kind of in Hartford, but didn't really establish Hartford. Then it was the Fr- was it the french in massachusetts to recap no that no 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 massachusetts was english english yeah. the english the french, came down. the french or canada canada got it st louis or st lawrence valley okay yeah. so yeah. so the english come down and then finally so we established all th- those first three towns yes. just over trade so wh- what did this do so what did this do for the pequots you know what did, did, did any was there any issue with these with these new towns being established and the pequots being the dominant you know right. you know 
Indian force at that point. Did this did this ruffle any feathers, so oh, to speak? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So within about three years, we're at war. Okay, there it is. Okay, so is that and that is that specifically with the Pequots or is that with? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what what did that look like? What how did that you know did what was that was that initial was did it start with taking of the chieftain? Was that was that kind of the the ignition for that for that like uh, conflict essentially? Yeah. So what happens next is that there is a uh, an English trader that everybody hates mm -hmm. and they expel him from the Mass two Massachusetts locations. Mm. So he's on his way south, probably to Virginia mm -hmm. because he's been told, get out of here or you're, or you're done. Yeah. And he stops in the Connecticut River mm -hmm. and he seizes two Indians from the Western Niantic tribe, which was a sub-tribe of the Pequots. Mm -hmm. And he wants them the next day to guide him up the river, hmm. the Connecticut River. And instead what happens is a group of Western Niantics kill this trader and his crew. Mm. And now the English are upset mm -hmm. because they're not gonna tolerate Indians killing English yeah. settlers, yeah. even though we hate the guy. And yeah, we, we, yeah, we <laughs> exiled him, yeah. And the Pequots get blamed for that. Hmm. So that that triggers hmm. what came next, but uh, it, it, it's it, the story gets really complicated. Okay, so let me introduce another element. Yeah. Okay. So, the people in Wethersfield that settled Wethersfield buy land from the Wangunk tribe. Okay. And it's Sachin, and so the deal the deal as far as the Wangunk Sachin is concerned was. I'm going to sell you the land, mm -hmm. and you're going to let me be nearby with my tribe, and that way I'm going to get protection from you. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? The, the Wethersfield settlers didn't want anything to do with him or his tribe, mm -hmm. and so they told him to get out of there. Mm -hmm. Now he's mad. Mm -hmm. And so he arranges for an attack on Wethersfield with the Pequots, by the Wangunks and the Pequots, mm -hmm. and they attack Wethersfield settlers who are working in their fields. They kill nine of them. They take two young women captive, mm -hmm. and they sail them down the river. And now everybody's in an uproar. Mm -hmm. And so the, the English settlers on the Connecticut River are saying, all right, this is stopping right here. Mm -hmm. now, so, and that's how the Pequot War gets started. Wow. So so there was so that that so they took so they took they attacked Weathersfield took captives and that that was the point where you know the settlers were like nope yeah. we have to we have to stand up we have to tell them we have to you know yeah. take the land that we were bought from them or whatever right interesting so how long did the Pequot Wars go on for approximately um, I think it was two years two years yeah. And then, so how was, what was there, was there a, a, a final settlement with that? Was there a final kind of, you know, uh, end conflict? Yes. The Pequot's tribes destroyed. Oh, Effectively wow. destroyed. But there's a key element to this that we also need to know mm. and to have entered the conversation. Mm -hmm. And that is that the Europeans who arrived on this continent mm -hmm. had domesticated animals mm -hmm. for centuries. Mm. And because they lived close to their animals, 
they got diseases from their rabbis. Mm-hmm. It's it's not unlike the discussion we've had about where COVID came from. Right? Did it come from you know the the, the, the wet markets in China or, or the lab? Mm-hmm. So we're interested in the theory about the wet markets right, because, right. because it shows that there's a crossover. You can catch diseases from animals. Right. All right. So what happens when the when the Europeans have their animals living close to them? Mm-hmm. They develop immunities. Mm. Well, guess who had no immunities for a multitude of diseases that the Europeans brought with them? Yeah, the, the Native 80s. Americans. Yep. And when these when these diseases would hit, and they would come one after another after another, eighty to ninety percent of a tribe would be wiped out. Wow. Where the pilgrims settled in Plymouth had been uh, several years before a thriving Indian village. So many Indians died in that village, there was nobody left to bury the corpses. Wow. And it's just so, from so, the disease. Just from diseases. Wow. Well, even chickenpox. Yeah. The, the, the first big epidemic that hit the coast was, they think, was chickenpox hmm. from Cape Cod to Penobscot Bay. Wow. And that, and just and kill w- it. wiped out Indians. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. You know, because you you know you you think it's you think it's war. You know, you think it's just the war, and you know, oh, we're just we're going through, we're taking out a village. But it, a lot of that, I'm sure, I'm sure most of that was just new, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. new, oh, yeah. and you know, oh, yeah. infectious diseases. Yes. That's that's yes. crazy. Yes. Yes. So so the so the Arat so the Pequots were essentially wiped out after a couple of years. Yes. Because of this, of yeah. this, these wars. So, so yeah. So let's 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 drill down just a little bit before we leave sure, the subject. Of sure, sure. So, there was a guy by the name of John Mason mm-hmm. who also had military experience in Europe, mm-hmm. and he was one of the settlers in Windsor. Okay. And so, once the Connecticut settlements determined that they were going to make war on the Pequots, they put Mason in charge. Hmm. So. At the time, there were about 250 people living in those three settlements on the okay. Connecticut River. They, they, got, they put together 90 soldiers under Mason's command. Mm-hmm. He sails down the river to uh, Fort Saybrook. There was a fort there that was also English. Okay. And uh, he's joined uh, in that effort by uh, Indians from the Podunks. Hmm under the command of Uncas, who was the chief sachem of the Mohegan tribe, mm. which is north of the Pequots on the Thames River. Okay. In, in, in the general area of Norwich today. Okay. As they are now. Okay, right? yeah, They're still yeah. there. And, and the Pequots are <laughs> in Mashantucket. So anyway, so they have, the, they have these Indian allies. Why the Mohegans? Because Uncas... After the after the Dutch had killed the the chief sachem mm-hmm. of the tribe, Uncas vied to be his successor, mm. and he was uh, passed over by Sassacus. Mm. And so Uncas, after several attempts, uh, at one point he comes to the Connecticut River and he hides in East Windsor, mm-hmm. which was uh, a, a subtribe of the of the Podunks. Mm-hmm. And uh, at, at that point, lo and behold, he befriends John Mason. Hmm. They know each other. Mm-hmm. So he makes, that's why he makes his, his warriors available to assist Mason mm-hmm. in this effort to attack the Pequots. And he has this personal reason why he wants to eliminate the, the, P, the Pequots. As, as yeah, yeah. So there was a little bit of tribe on tribe. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of that. Yeah. It, a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. Because remember... 
these tribes had been vying with one another for authority for, you know, a thousand years or more before the, before the Europeans show up. Right, right. So you're going to see the Europeans as potential allies. Yeah. Yeah, because they don't know. They don't. They don't. Yeah, yeah they're they're like yeah. Like, yeah hey, they, we can yeah, get. They, the, they don't, yeah, they don't know how this is going to play out. But they know that the Pequots are 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 have yeah, the most yeah, land yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. and that's yeah. what they want to stop. Yes. Yes. And, yeah. Yes. Okay. So John Mason gets to Old hmm. Saybrook. Now his orders are to attack the main Pequot fort, mm. which is on the hill overlooking New London. Okay. In Groton. Okay. And. Um, <clears throat> But he decides that it would be smarter to, because the Indians are going to expect him there, mm-hmm. to sail to Mystic, where they have another major fort. Actually, no, he goes beyond that. He goes to the Narragansett Bay. Mm. And in so doing, he picks up several hundred Narragansett Indians who also don't like the Pequots as additional soldiers for him. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and they march under cover of night to Mystic, Connecticut, where this major village of 600 to 800 Pequots, Mm. mostly women and children, are in this fort. Let me describe the forts for you. The forts were circular palisades, Mm -hmm. large trees stuck in the ground. Mm -hmm. And to enter, you had to pass through an overlap of the of the sides of the circle mm-hmm. that only one person could get through at a time. Oh, wow, okay. And they had a, this major village in Mystic, and they had two of those entryways. So John Mason and his and his warriors and his troops <coughs> attack in the early morning hours. Mm. And the idea is to, just, is to get them to surrender. But the Pequots fight back hard. Mm-hmm. And so Mason decides that <coughs> he has no choice but to burn the village. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's the whole story of the Pequot massacre, mm-hmm. where 600 to 800 died in something like an hour. Wow, major it, conflagration. Wow, and interestingly enough, the Narragansetts were very upset with this mm. because we we think of the Indians as savages, mm-hmm. and so when we think of them fighting, we think you know it's Custer again. It's Custer again, cutting scalps and all yeah, that. Yeah, kind of yeah. But Roger Williams, t- who, who settled Providence, Rhode Island, mm-hmm. tells us that Indian fighting was more theater. Mm. The, the, you know, the, there, wa- there wasn't a lot of death. Mm. European fighting was a horse of a very different color. Yeah. We were very violent. Yes. When by so, any means necessary, yes. lighting, lighting it on fire. And so when the Narragansett saw that, they said, no, this, this, stop it. This is not right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's almost like a value of life you know, that, that you know, we didn't have, you know, right. that the settlers didn't necessarily have. They didn't have that, you know, that, that, that understanding right. of the – Right. Because to, to double back on what we were talking about, you know, at the very beginning – they were following the animals. They were following the natural progression of life, and you know the 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 movement of weather and everything. And then you've got these people where it's like, I'm gonna go up the river where it's hardest to get up the river and settle here and force myself into this place and force my my trade. You know, there's a lot of force, you know, mm-hmm. with the with the settlers, whereas the the Native Americans flowed naturally with the the earth you know right. so that's very interesting yeah well hmm. keep in mind that that the um 
the European settlers who came, remember, they were the Puritans, right? The Puritans, correct. So yeah. these, are, these are very religious people. Mm -hmm. And when things go well, they're convinced that they are God's anointed and that God is looking over their, for their, looking up for their safety. Mm -hmm. And they see the Indians as backward savages. Mm -hmm. And so you have this conflict. You also have a conflict over, over land and how land is treated. Mm. For the Indians, land was, was a resource the same as the water and air. Mm -hmm. You don't own those. Mm -hmm. You use those, but you do not own them. For the Europeans, land was a commodity. Mm -hmm. You owned it. So if I owned a piece of land as a European, even if I didn't do anything with it, if it was vacant, mm -hmm. I still owned it. Yeah. With the Indians, you if the, if the tribe and the tri and land was considered to be tribal land. Yeah. Well, you were given enough land for your subvillage or your family, mm -hmm. and as long as you you used it, fine. Well, it was yours. Yours to use. Yeah. Uh, and but and if you stopped using it, you using it, then somebody else could come along. Right. Yeah. It. So it, so so, and and it was, it, and neither side was really communicating with each other. Mm -hmm. So you know, as far as the Europeans were concerned, I paid you money for this thing. This is mine. Yeah, now. you you don't get to you don't, a, a, don't cross a, a, it, don't and touch a, it. And know? as far as the Indians were concerned, no, All no you, one's using it. You didn't yeah. give us you didn't give us full value for this thing. That's <laughs> yeah. right. You get to use it. Yeah, you know? interesting. Yeah. But we get to use it too. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's it, it's unoccupied. Yeah, yeah, you know, yes, we sold you that, but we are, but you're not, you're not here. You're not using. You're not. There's no tents right. here. There's no. Yeah, right. interesting. Right. Yeah, that that's, and I feel like that that miscommunication, miscommunication for lack of a better word, but that that difference in culture, you know, was prevalent throughout. You know, interacting with Native Americans, you know, the entire time of like, no, 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 like we don't we don't do things that, and and it, and it kind of goes back to that whole idea where the settlers are like, no, 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 we're doing it our way, even though you've been here for ten thousand years doing it this way. Yeah. That's not how it's going to happen anymore. Right, right. We're gonna. This is the welcome right. to the new world. And we have God on our side. Yeah, we do. We do. We have God on our side, and God and God is is protecting us too. Yeah. Right. Right. Wow, interesting. So, so what? So what? So we 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 to to continue that timeline. So Pequot Wars have ended. This great, you know, great tragedy has happened. Yeah, and they and and, and the Europeans did everything they could to destroy the tribe. In that uh, they sold warriors into the Caribbean slave trade. Mm. They took they took um, they took uh, Pequots into their own homes as domestics. Mm. An, another form of slavery, if you will, mm. and uh, and and our general assembly passed a law that said the Pequot name was could not be used. Wow! So just we, wiping we it from existence. Did everything we could. Yeah. Wow! Didn't didn't work. Didn't work. No, Good. We have Pequots today. No. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So so after the, so was there was there after the Pequot? What was it like? What was the what was the um, like the climate, like you know, the social cultural climate after that conflict. Like, okay. was that were tensions high at that point? Now, less so as between the Europeans in the Connecticut River Valley and Indians. Okay, but our story continues. Yeah, now we have the Narragansetts mm -hmm. who have been vying with the Pequots as the largest and most successful tribe trading with the Europeans. And so now that the Pequots are gone, mm -hmm. Uncas is interested in taking over the Pequot land, mm -hmm. but so 
are the Narragansetts because mm-hmm. you get that whole eastern portion of Connecticut that's right. now vacant, shall we say. So we have the Mohegans and the Narragansetts. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, we also have Massachusetts and Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Even though Connecticut provided the vast majority of the soldiers in the defeat of the Pequot, the Bay Colony had sent soldiers down. Mm-hmm. And so as far as they were concerned, the Connecticut, the Connecticut start, uh, started this war because they were stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sent our people. We saved them. So we have a claim. We have a claim, of course. Because no, no, there's no state boundaries at this point, right? Right, right. So Massachusetts is claiming eastern Connecticut the same as Connecticut is, yeah. is claiming eastern Connecticut. Yeah. So the, the next 40 years between the, fast, the big Indian wars, Pequot and King Philip's war, 40 years apart, mm-hmm. is, a, is the battle between the Narragansetts. Hmm. And the Pequots as to who's who's going to be the dominant tribe in this area. Hmm. So there comes a time when the Narragansetts uh, gather six hundred warriors, mm-hmm. and they leave their domain in Rhode Island, mm-hmm. and they uh, cross the Chetucket River in in Norwich, mm-hmm. and they are going to attack the main village of the Mohegans hmm. um, in Shantuck on the Thames River. So they're going to come through Norwich and then they're going to go down the west side of the Shant- of the of the rivers, yeah. the Thames River, and they're going to make make their attack. Well, Uncas was no dummy. Mm-hmm. He expected this and so there's this uh, Top this hill that overlooks the city of Norwich, I mm-hmm. think it's, uh, and don't hold me to my uh, my uh, pronunciation, but I think it's uh, Wawekis mm-hmm. And he has um, he has guys up there, warriors up there that are, are looking for this, mm-hmm. getting ready. And yeah. they see and they see the Narragansetts coming, and so they managed to get word south of Norwich where the where, where Shantuck is, and they get word to Uncas. So Uncas is a pretty clever guy, and so uh, they meet for battle on the grounds of what is today Three Rivers Community College. Oh yeah, okay. And it's a it's a like a small valley. Yeah. And so Uncas uh, approaches the uh, sachem of the Narragansetts, Myantanoma, mm-hmm. and suggests that. Instead of having warriors die, that they have an individual battle, mm. and the winner takes all. Mm. And my Antonoma has six hundred warriors, and Uncas has maybe three or four hundred warriors. So my Antonoma doesn't consider this to be a good deal, mm-hmm. and he rejects it. At which point, Uncas, by prearrangement, falls on the ground. And that is the signal to his warriors who are ready with their arms to fire their arrows and attack. Whereas the, the Narragansetts had been just kind of lounging around, yeah. waiting for the sachems to decide yeah, what just, was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And so they get routed, and they get driven up the Thames River back to Norwich and across Norwich. And my Antonoma is captured. Wow. And the spot where he's captured now has a big granite monument on it that was put there in the 1840s. And um, the reason he gets captured is because a an 
English friend of his in Rhode Island had given him this heavy corselet, which, w- which was heavy enough to block an arrow, hmm. but it weighted him down. And as they're scrambling to get back across the Chautauqua River in, in Rhode Island, he gets he gets caught. Wow. So, <clears throat> after the Pequot War in 1638, the, the English in Hartford, mm-hmm. representing all the English in the Connecticut River Valley, mm-hmm. had forced the Narragansetts and the Mohegans to um, take any issues they had between themselves to the English oh. ultimate dis- disposition. Interesting, okay. So having captured his rival, Uncas delivers Myantonoma to the English in Hartford. Mm. And they decide that they're just going to have trouble with Indians as long as these two are around, and the best thing to do is to ha- let Uncas kill Myantonoma. However, the English don't want any blood on their hands. Right. So they do send some men as monitors along with uh, the warriors from the Mohegans to take my Antonoma back out of the English territory Mm -hmm. because they say you can kill him, but you can't kill him on our territory. Right, okay. And so they they kill him at the earliest opportunity. And... Matthias Spee, who I talked about earlier, who mm-hmm. wrote that 100th anniversary volume of the History of Manchester, says he believes that that killing took place in Bolton Notch. Oh, wow. Because that was the edge of the English territory vis-a-vis the Indian territory. Mm. And they would have dispatched him. They, they killed him Second. with a hatchet to the back of the head. Wow. At the earliest opportunity. Wow. Yeah, that's so interesting. So you got all this stuff going on. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's interesting that the English too are both don't want That's anything right. like to do Pilate, with it, like Pontius Pilate, right? Yeah, but also, but also say no, come to us for all. It's like we want to control what's going on here, yes. but we also want nothing to do with it. Yeah. it which is so what a what a crazy con- wow. That's yeah, interesting. Okay, so so th- this Mohegan, so so now are the Mohegans now the the prominent you know tribe? <laughs> yes. But interestingly enough, um, Uncas has ceded all of his tribal land except the land that is occupied by his tribe, tribal members at the time. Mm-hmm. This is 1638, I believe, right after the Pequot mm-hmm. War. He, he cedes the rest of his territory to the English. Hmm. So, uh, so you know, I get cause, because he has a good relationship with the English, they're going to protect him yeah. from any further issues he might have. So they so now they own the land. The English own the land that that the Mohegans ex, was it well, except for that one that one area where his tribe was currently well any anywhere in that in that large area where they were occupying yeah they were okay wow. and, and the English didn't rush in with settlers I mean it, yeah it's, yeah it's more or less open land okay but still but that but now in the, in the English's eyes at least. That's our land. Yeah, that was given to yeah. us by the Native Americans. Yes, yes. interesting. Yeah. Okay, so now you know you you had brought up so so during you had, there was another conflict you said King Philip's War was yes. that correct? Yes. So was there any you know in that forty year span was there any specific any in particular important kind of prerequisites for that war like what happened to kind of to lead to that? There was a tribe called the Wampanoags. Okay, and they were in 
they were in Massachusetts on the opposite side of Narragansett Bay. So, you, so you've got the Narragansetts on our side, if you will, of the bay in mm-hmm. Rhode Island. And you've got this, the Wampanoags. And, and they also cover uh, the Nauset tribe on Cape Cod was one of their sub-tribes. And, so, and they, they cover that area we're approaching Boston on. Mm-hmm. So, so their, their sachem is, his, is Chief Massasoit. And, and that's his title. His real name is Yellow yellow feather but uh, his title is as chief sachem is is massasoit and he saves the pilgrims he dies at the ripe old age of 81 oh wow in 1661 wow and he is succeeded in his chief sachemship by first his elder son alexander mm-hmm. who dies uh, of uh, an illness mm-hmm. Uh, fairly quickly thereafter, and he is succeeded by his son, who takes the English name Philip. Hmm. His his Indian name is Metacon. Hmm. And Philip has figured out that things are not going well mm. for the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. That more and more of their land is being taken over by the English, and they're domineering, and they're a problem. Mm-hmm. And so he makes war okay and now we have yet another war mm-hmm. and the indians are they have two sides and some indians uh go with philip and some indians uh support the the english and interestingly enough the connecticut river indians mm-hmm. had always been friendly but the podunks throw their lot in with Philip. Mm -hmm. And so you have this tremendous war that takes place. And when it's over, we'll jump ahead just to the the ending. 25 English towns, more than half of the colonist settlements in New England lay in ruins. And the line of English habitation was pushed back almost to the coast. 600 English were dead. 1,200 houses burned. 8,000 head of cattle killed. The English king's agent estimated that some 3,000 Indians lost their lives. Many of the surviving Wampanoags were sold in the slave markets of the West Indies and Spain. Wow. So the truth of the matter is that the English were almost expelled from New England. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Indians were devastated. Yeah. That's uh, just comparing that to the to the previous conflict. I mean, that is that is a significant change yes. in destruction yes. and, and death. Yes. But that's a that is a much more significant. Yep. Yeah. And yet it hardly touched Connecticut, interestingly enough. Wow. We sent our troops elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Major fighting was in Massachusetts mm. and to a lesser extent, but significantly in Rhode Island. The Narragansetts get attacked. Wow. And and they get devastated. Wow. They're, yeah. They're totally wiped out. Because again, we still have Narragansetts, but yeah, they they got beat up pretty bad. Wow! So 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 King Philip started this. Yes. Philip started this war, yes. and but it almost annihilated. Yes. Most of the Native Americans in yes. that in this area. Yes. Wow. So what what was the repercussion of that? Did Philip? I'm assume I'm, I'm assume did Philip die during this conflict? I'm assuming he did. He did. He did. Okay. Yeah. And and what. What was the what was the the aftermath for the Native American? Like, where was it? Was it basically scattered to the wind, essentially? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. There's a, a there's a um, if I can find it here, a Frenchman who visited the region a decade after the war wrote, there is nothing to fear from the savages, for they are few in number. Wow. The last wars they had with the English have reduced them to a small number, and consequently they are incapable of defending themselves. Wow. And guess what happened to the Podunks? What happened to the Podunks? Same thing. Wow. Same thing. They are, there are only stragglers left after King Philip's War. There wow. are Podunks around, but they, they are few and far between. So so Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island becomes a almost a, a, almost a European. In, yeah, European, almost Native American free, if not just for Yes. Did they, so did they what, what, when they were strag were they living amongst the you know were, or they try were they still out kind of in their own small little tribe like tiny villages kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, small. Wow. Um, and, and on reservations. On reservations. Tucket. Okay, is a so, reservation, and the and that was established by the Europeans. Yes. Was to be, hey, yes. this is this is yes. their spot. We're going to corral you here. At one point, they had the um, the Mashantucket Pequots on uh, Noank, mm. which is just a big rock. Oh wow! So how do you survive? How do you, uh, yeah, how do you plant no and survive? Yeah, in Noank. Wow! And eventually the. They ended up in. So it was, ba- it was basically, you know, internment camps in a way, you yes. know, for lack of a better word, without the structures yes. there. Yes. But hey, you you are stay in this corner. You yep. are, yeah, wow. So what was so now? What what time frame is this now? After King, King Philip's War ended, approximately sixteen seventies. Sixteen seventies. Yeah. So. Now, what what is English trade looking like? Is I mean, are they just basically <coughs> who are they trading with at this point? Is it is it now a a they're just amongst themselves sort of thing? Because well, before they were getting all these beaver pelts from the yes, Native Americans. Yes, Did yes. they just take over that trade? Did they just take over that whole operation? No, you know what changed that? What? What people chose to wear? Re- are you kidding? Wow. The beaver hats were no longer in vogue. Wow. Wow. That's that's astonishing and also believable because that's how things go. I feel like back then that's crazy. That's insane. But we had tremendous fishing grounds. Yeah, and yeah. So you know that that's where their trade was. So fishing boomed. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Is there any backlash or is there you know from the surrounding you know because I know a lot of tribes moved west. Yeah. A, lo- a lot of people moved west. There's obviously yeah. more what, more north from here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ended up in New York. Okay. Eventually. Yeah, and of course you have the you have the Iroquois. Yeah. yeah so you know they made homes, I think, for in, in their general area for yeah. Indians that left here. So yeah, so a lot of so maybe a lot of those any any left any Mohegans or or Podunk or um, well the Mohegans were allies. They they were you know they okay, were so allowed they were, to do their thing. They were yeah. fine. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So what happens after? So what's what what's happening after this? You know what what is the next the next big thing that kind of, you know, what happens in this area. Well, I mean, we're interested in Manchester, right? Yeah. So uh, let's, so let's go way back now. Yeah. We're, let's, let's go. We're, let's, yeah. We're that's getting fine. a little bit out of sync. That's okay. That's, that's fine. Okay. So yeah. let's go way back. So, uh, at some point, the, uh, authorities in Hartford authorized a purchase of three miles uh, of, of, three miles of width mm. of land on the east side of the river. Remember, the settlements were all on the, on the west side right. of the river. So now they buy uh, three miles width of land 
from the podunks. Okay. And that becomes East Hartford. Okay. Manchester is called the wilderness. Hmm. Manchester was never more than hunting territory for the podunks. The podunks had their main villages. They had one in East Hartford and one in South Windsor. Okay. And then they had some smaller groups that were in East Windsor. Mm-hmm. And so um, eventually, however, you know, the, 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 the English settlements are growing and there's a desire for more land. Mm-hmm. And so um, at some point they make a arrangements to buy additional land from now, now the Mohegans. The Mohegans are, 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 are the tribal authority. Right. And so they buy from the Mohegans fi- a five miles square parcel of land. Mm-hmm. That becomes Manchester 150 years. In that years, wilderness. 150 years later. Yep. Wow. The wilderness is Manchester. Wow. So the Podunk tribe was essentially, the they were they were in that they, area. Yeah. There had been some intermarriages. Mm-hmm. And so the, the uh, Mohegan sachems married into the, the what's left to the Podunk leadership. Mm-hmm. And so the Podunk tribe became a subtribe of, of the Mohegans. Interesting. Yeah. Of what was left of it. Of what was left. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. So, so, so Manchester, as far as, you know, during the time where Native Americans were the predominant group, you know, they yes. were the ruling, ruling group of this land. The Podunks essentially owned Man- the Manchester area yes. as their, it was their hunting grounds. Yes. It wasn't yes. even, they didn't yes. even live there. They, it was, it was essentially where they would go just to guess. Wow. Yes. Well, they had villages. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Interesting. You know, because they moved, they tended to move a couple of times a year. Mm-hmm. So in the summertime, they, they would be near the Connecticut River. Mm-hmm. And there were m- numerous reasons for that. One was that you, the, the ground was rich mm-hmm. and uh, it was plowable mm-hmm. as opposed to the stony uplands. Absolutely. Uh, it was much more importantly, it was, it was much more temperate. Mm. The, there was a, a less period of time when you were subject to frost. Okay. And uh, they were planters, and so their crops grew better hmm. if they were near the river. In the meanwhile, however, uh, the game, when they were hunting, and they tended to hunt in the fall, mm-hmm. when, when the deer in particular were bigger, mm-hmm. and you could find them because they left their tracks in the snow, mm. you hunted in the, in the fall and early winter, and so you'd move into the hunting areas. Wow, Okay. Interesting. So, okay, that's that's really good to know for the for because it's it's crazy knowing King Philip's war. That that is something that I wasn't even familiar with personally, and yeah. know, that's embarrassment for me. Yeah. But at the same time, that that really was the the almost like the the final situation to at least in our you know in the Northeast in our area that seemed to be the final. Yeah, it's clearly in southern New England. Yeah, it was dispositive. Now we haven't we haven't tried to name all the tribes. Right, right. Uh, we could do that, but we we haven't done that yet. Yeah. Um, for example, there's a tribe called the Nipmucks that are based in central Massachusetts, mm-hmm. but their territory came down into Connecticut. So, uh, for example, uh, what is it called? Um, Shinipset Lake now, I think, in Rockville. Okay. That was that was one of, that was their boundary came that far down. Wow. So it's pretty close. Yeah. And. Um, 
also so Talon portions of Talland and uh, Wyndham counties were were part of Nipmuc territory. Wow. So yeah, there was just there was more, many not just not just the, the three main ones we kind of talked about. Yeah. There's different smaller tribes Mul- just scattered tribes, throughout. Multiple tribes in Connecticut. And so when Kid Phillips War happened, all what was it is it to be assumed that most of these tribes took a side essentially like they there were, was there any tribes that were kind of left out of the conflict no the the nipmucks uh were on philip's side they were on philip's yeah. side yeah. Yeah. yeah man and the narragansetts were yeah N- not right from the start but eventually they were wow yeah. and, and you know the europeans brought some of that on themselves by being belligerent no they were untrusting yeah i mean yeah and and, and uncas uncas was a very capable leader but he but he he was a conniver yeah, the, the, that that yeah. that whole story. He Uncas was the one who dropped down, right? That yes. Was, yeah. What? A, yeah, that is yeah. a very tactful. But, but he was always trying to stir things up if it if it was to his advantage. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That seemed to be, but that seemed to be a learned behavior for for most of the Native Americans because it was a you've got to control most of the land, so you've got to do. You know, we we look at the comparison to the Europeans. We you know you had talked about before how the Europeans have a you know scorched earth mentality when it came to fighting almost whereas you know it was, you said theatrical almost for, for native americans but it's almost like uncas maybe even you know developed maybe with his closeness with the europeans developed these tactics or learned these tactics you know was learning how to be conniving was learning how to how to take you know the way that they took almost at least from my you know very very brief understanding of it but it sounds like the closer that they got to the europeans the more conniving and the more you know self-preservation overtook yeah that may be something of an overstatement it could be <laughs> and it maybe could be. maybe it could be maybe conniver was a little harsh <laughs> but uh because he was certainly you know he cared about his people he was he was he was doing what was right for his tribe yes you know yes and one one of the arguments that the historians make when they're comparing intelligence you know i mean mm. obviously the europeans looked down on the indians and said you know they're just a bunch of savages and they they don't have christianity and so they must be unintelligent. Yeah, 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 but they were they were very intelligent. Oh yeah, um, and one example of that is uh, food. Mm. Four sevenths of the value of agricultural products in this nation today come from plants that mm. were hybridized by the Indians, and and the and and who and, and the Indians taught the white people how to how to use these things wow the mate a major one being corn yeah corn is not a naturally growing plant it was hybridized wow centuries and centuries because the and the native americans started yeah, yeah, that yeah and and uh they planted corn beans and uh squash together mm-hmm. you've probably read of that the so-called three sisters and what we know now the indians were not scientists but but they learned from doing and they and they learned from from observing what worked. It's a scientific process. And so and so they they you know they ate they, they ate much better than the Europeans did. They lived longer than the Europeans. They were far healthier than the Europeans. Yeah. The guys who brought all these diseases. Yeah. I mean, they had all kinds of other issues. Yeah. Uh, and they talk about Indian runners being able to run a hundred miles in a day, and and the second day thereafter run the same hundred miles back in the same time. That's incredible, and it, it, yeah, it's 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 amazing 
it, it's the nat, it's that natural it's right. the tapped into right. nature it is that right. it is that natural that that yeah. thousands of years that those 60,000 years that 10,000 years of experience and, and also handed down traditions I'm sure yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that was yeah. that was within I'm sure I'm sure tribes also had specific things that they were you know skilled at as opposed mm-hmm. to you know in this area we're the best beaver hunters because we've spent years learning their how they move where they go where they hibernate you know where the, where this happens yeah and, and and you know and european you know we come i'm sure yeah and and, and as uh, and getting back to the intelligence aspect uh this historian that i was reading says remember they held their own strategically they held their own there were very competent sachems yeah in the tribes yeah yeah yeah, there. That that yeah. I feel like the. I feel like everybody. Uh, that that is a common theme in in the history, of. I don't. I, I I will say European settlers, but from what I understand of my limited view of history, it seems that seems to be the trend of we are the smarter, better, being because what, what X Y and Z what pure because we have God because we're white because we're this because we're that right. and. Has time and time again, as we look back in history, we we are learning from the from the people that we that were expected to be less intelligent, that were expected to be savages. The Europeans who were present at the time say they were tremendous hunters, and tremendous fishermen. Yeah, w- without the tools that the Europeans had. Yeah, they figured things out for themselves. Yeah, and they yeah they did it, yeah and, and even with with. With all of these tools the Europeans brought over, I'm sure the Native Americans were still better at, <laughs> still better at, still better hunters, still better fishers. I'm sure. Even with, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's it, it's a testament to, to tradition and a testament to, to li- listening to the earth, listening again. I, I'm bringing it back to that because I mean that's what it. I mean, you, just you speaking about the tide, you know, the, the the oceans being lower and the free, you know, the ice melting away and following where the animals were going, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. You know, and obviously we've got, you know, we have, we have a, a lot has changed since then, but that, that knowledge, that, that skill set only comes from survival. That yeah. only comes yeah. from yeah. years and years yeah. of training your people and your tribe and your, and, and passing these, these, this information down that that's that's integral to the survival of a culture you know so i i want to say thank you as well for for being part of that contribution in a way at least for us you know at least in manchester at least for this podcast to give some of that insight into the past because not i don't think I, i can say speak for myself i won't speak for you know the audience but this is a lot of new information for me that i was not aware of and it's incredibly important, you know, knowing where we came from, knowing what was here before us, knowing how we've established ourselves, not erasing history is incredibly important. And, and you know, it's mm-hmm. valuable to get this information and to learn this stuff. So they, thank you, Steve, for, for, for taking the time to research this and, and spend some of your life to, to better understanding that stuff. Like, yeah, my honestly, pleasure. Gen, genuinely. Yeah. Um, is there anything else, you know, before we kind of wrap up, was there anything else that, that, that you found particularly important or something that you wanted to touch on at all? Well, we didn't make much of an effort to identify the tribes. I don't know to what we extent. Can, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we want, yeah. I'd love yeah. to do that real quick if you'd like. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. I think that'd be very important. 
So do you want to talk in terms of southern New England or do you want to talk in terms of Connecticut or both? I think that you, uh, if you want to do a kind of, I say whatever you want to do. You're the okay. expert. You're the, you're my expert here, at least okay. in my eyes. Okay. All right. So let's start in Fairfield County. There's a tribe called the uh, Siwanogs that was in Fairfield County. And um, their name I is related to shells, mm. seashells. You're going to find that names of tribes and, na and names of places with the Algonquins is always descriptive. Mm. Now, the Siwanogs were part of the uh, confederacy that occupied Manhattan Island mm. and the lower, um, the lower Hudson Valley. W another tribe in that uh, confederacy was the uh, Mohicans, mm. whom James Fenimore Cooper, in his book, The Last of the Mohicans, called Mohicans. Mm. So that's the first tribe we're going to talk about. In the, in the Bridgeport area were the Pagussets. Sometimes you'll hear that name. Mm. In the New Haven area were the Quinnipiacs. Mm. And the Quinnipiac name comes from the fact that there was a trail that went along the shoreline. And at the main village of the Quinnipiacs, it made a turn mm. and went south towards New Haven. Mm. And Quinnipiac is an Algonquin term for a turning. Hmm. Um, the next tribe, we're going to skip over the Connecticut River for a minute because we're going to, oh no, the next tribe is the Hamanassets. You've heard of the Hamanassets. Mm. Um, and then we're going to skip over the Connecticut River because we are going to um, come back to it and do the river tribes. Sure. So um, beyond the Connecticut River, we have the Western Niantics. Mm. We've mentioned them, I think, in our I conversation. I think we did, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, because they they killed the trader that was headed for yep, Virginia. Yep. And um, beyond them, we have the Thames River tribes. We we've mentioned the Pequots, who were in the New London area, mm -hmm. and then as they are today, we have the um, Mohegans that are north of them on the Thames River. Um, beyond that, we have uh, oh, we have the Niantics, which are in Rhode Island, mm -hmm. followed by the Narragansetts, both of them on our side of the Narragansett Bay. And um, then uh, well, I got—I actually went, I went beyond the state line. That's uh, okay. Yep. So um, if we're going to keep c covering Connecticut Indians, we have—I've mentioned the Nipmucks. We have the Podunks in our area. We have the Agawams, mm -hmm. Agawam, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. who were a sub-tribe of the Pocumtics on the Connecticut River in Massachusetts. We have the Massacos, uh, who uh, were in Simsbury, the Tunksis in Farmington. And interestingly enough, northeastern Connecticut, uh, northwestern Connecticut, I'm sorry, Litchfield County, had no tribes. Hmm. And the reason it had no tribes is because it was hunting territory for the Mohawks. Oh. And nobody messed with the Mohawks. And nobody messed with the Mohawks. Right. Wow. In fact, the Mohawks used to send their, uh, their, their tax collectors to collect the tribute from the river tribes in addition to the Pequots. Wow. They were the two dominant tribes. Wow. Of our Connecticut people. Wow. Um, we've already talked about the, uh, the Wampanoags. The, the um, tribe that was in the Boston area was the Massachusetts, people of the Great Blue Hill. Mm. And um, I think we've covered. Wow, yeah. No, that's, that's important to get, get all. I'm glad, I'm glad we took a, took a second yep. to, yep. to yep. get all those yep. out there. Um, but we haven't, done, we haven't done some of the river tribes, I think, or maybe we did. Um, yeah, I think we pretty much did. Yep, we did.
Well, that's good coverage then. Yeah. I'm glad that we we're able to get all that. Thank you for doing yeah. that. Yeah. And again, Steve, thank you again for, yeah. for putting this all together. Okay. Um, it's been incredibly helpful. It's been incredibly informative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, is there anything else that you uh, we, we were able to do that? Is there anything else? No. Well, then, perfect. Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll get calls someday about why didn't you talk about this or why didn't you talk about that. But <laughs> well, we've done you, what we could, right? To let everybody know, Steve has also put – yeah, I, I have put you in a box as far as what we what content we talk about. Steve has done extensive research. You had a, a almost two-hour or three-hour presentation that you've been doing mm-hmm. on it. So – if there is calls or messages, Steve has done a lot more research than this. So just for the just for your for your sake, um, but thank you for for being able to condense it down so we can okay. just give a brief history. My pleasure for the people listening. It's been a pleasure having you on here. Got it's it. it's going to be perfect for for us. So thank you so Thanks. much, Steve. Okay. Thank you everybody for watching. We'll we'll talk to you guys on the next episode and have a good one.